Hi, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth McGuire. And, and this, this is, is Talking, Talking Lion. Lion. Talking Lion is an artist-to-artist interview podcast where we talk to our friends about life, music, and everything in between. Most of the time, we're artists ourselves, a duo called Sleeping Lion. But we started this podcast to dive deeper into what it means to be an artist and creative. If you're a fan of us, our podcast, or our community, feel free to join our Discord at sleepinglionmusic.com slash discord. Now on with the show. We recorded this episode with our good friend, Erin Kirby. We were introduced to Erin through our lawyer at the time, and we met her and her mother when they visited LA to write. We have since worked together on her songs, Practice Girlfriend and Waste More Time. A powerhouse vocalist and a kind soul, we hope you enjoy this episode. So, without further ado. I'm Erin Kirby, and this is Talking Lion. Well, hey. Hi. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I'm seeing that Noah is wearing the practice girlfriend. I, know. I didn't think about it, but I woke up this morning and just like, I was like, what shirt should I wear? And I'm like, oh, I haven't worn this one in a while. And then I realized right before we started recording that I was wearing your merch. And I'm like, that's that's uh, synchronous. I like it. That's perfect. I did notice that. I see you're not wearing the Sleeping Lion t-shirt, but next time, you know, we'll uh, next get our time. merch. <laughs> merch coordinated of course definitely <laughs> we are we are starting i should the listener land should know we are starting uh, <laughs> about almost an hour and 45 minutes after i said we would <laughs> um i had the immense honor of fulfilling a bucket list item which was to uh, gamble in vegas oh our friend needed a ride and uh me and our, our friend Mason, friend of the pod, editor of the pod and, right. and future guest, we decided, oh, you know what? Let's drive our friend and then we could just book a hotel and maybe just spend an evening yeah. just gambling. Anybody who listens to the show knows I love gambling. I know that casinos are made for you to get drunk for free <laughs> and lose track of time. Yeah. I know this as, <laughs> as a person. Like, it's something that you read. It's something that people tell you. It's like, whatever. I thought we were going to get to the casino at 11 and that, like, maybe by one, we would be done. Yeah. Um, and then the plan was to drive from Las Vegas to L.A. in two hours. Also, no, why no, no, you're no, no, super no, drunk and you... No, 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 no. Sorry, you guys are, you guys are missing AMs and PMs. Okay. Oh, okay. Our, I our, see. Our I plan see. was to get to... Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> this morning was wholesome as hell. <laughs> okay. The plan was that we were going to get to the casino at 11 p.m. Because that was around the time we were going to roll up into Vegas. Right. Okay. That we were going to be there for about two hours and then go to sleep, wake up, get breakfast, drive back to L.A. Like by 10 a.m. we would be leaving, which would give us plenty of time right. okay. to okay. be back with time to spare to prepare for the podcast, et cetera. Yeah. You know, they say things, uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And right. Vegas was trying to have me be the happen. Uh, where uh, Vegas was trying to have me be the stay. Because <laughs> we got down there at 11 and we completely lost track of time. <laughs> just absolutely and utterly just got smoked by the clock. Mind you, I had just, like I've been shitting on blackjack for a while, like pretty pretty vocally to friends. Right. And then the dealer on blackjack was this really nice guy who taught me like strategy that I got really into. Yeah. And I survived. I wound up losing all my money. Mason wound up making about 300 bucks. <laughs> he's an old pro. He's an old pro. I wound up busting, but I survived for five hours. <laughs> the problem with that is that I survived for five hours. Yeah. And I didn't know that. That's crazy. I... <laughs> I was wearing a watch so that I would be able to check the time because you're not really supposed to have your phones like while you're whatever. Right. I wore a watch. I also wore a jacket that covered said watch. <laughs> oh my gosh. And at one point I'm reaching for a hand and I see the watch and it's brushing up on four. <laughs> and I'm- I turn, You can't tell what time of day it is no, in a casino not at, at all. all. It's I crazy. Turn, you know, we're at the Luxor, you know? So I, and I turn to Mason, I'm like, we're, I'm in trouble. Like we're in trouble. Um, <laughs> And also, like, I, you know, we've been drinking a little bit, like, whatever. So, you know, we we're like, fine, whatever. We're going to go back to the hotel. We'll wake up at nine. Like, whatever. We'll get five hours of sleep. It's fine. Like, totally fine driving. Like, we yeah. could do, we've done more with less. We, we both have touring experience, <laughs> you know. <laughs> For some reason, like, both of our phones updated in the middle of the night. So 
the alarms that we set, none of them went off. Oh, oh my, my gosh. We like woke up. We woke up at 1030 to oh my housekeeping God. knocking on the door. <laughs> Incredible. So we're now like scrambling and still, okay, you know, it's a four hour drive. I'll still get home at two. Yeah. Should be fine. Yeah. But then we tried to get out of the parking lot and we got lost in the parking lot. And then we finally <laughs> tried to get out of Vegas and this road was closed and that road was closed. And as we were driving, there was every accident that could hit the road was it uh, hit the road. We were running out of gas almost somehow constantly. <laughs> no. Because gas was also 650 in Vegas. Right. Or like in Nevada. Oh my Lord. So we were like, we were filling up like $60, but... It would take us, you know, 50 miles or right. 100 miles and we still had another. So we stopped at like three different gas stations, <laughs> you know, all the while like running off of coffee, uh, you know, Einstein bagel bros in a dream, you know. Right. Uh, and I'm just texting you the whole way. Like, I am so sorry. Like, we're, we're making our way, just hitting all the traffic. We got off on the wrong exit three times. Oh, my Lord. It was just insane. So I got home about five minutes ago. It's okay. That is Vegas, baby. Yeah. It's totally cool. We've all been there. <laughs> We've all been there. We've yeah. all been there. And I should have known myself better. I just didn't think I was going to... You didn't think you were going to gamble? No, I didn't think I was... For a period of time? I didn't think I was going to sustain a non-win, right. non-loss yeah, that's as fair. long as, as I did. Like, I was thinking I would either make $300, $400 and be like, I'm done. Let's call it a day. Or I was going to bust out, which I was totally fine with. Right. I didn't expect to circulate around even for five straight hours. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> anyway, it is good to see you. Good I just to needed see you. to vent for a moment uh, that I had an amazing time, but uh, I can't feel my face. Oh, okay. That's okay. It's and fine. I appreciate your patience. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, we're all good. Like it is only, well, it's almost seven o'clock where I am. So it's not like it's one in the morning because then Aaron would be, but... Well, where, where in the world are you right now? Because right now you're currently in a in a closet? Right now I'm in a closet because I'm in Nashville and my apartment is on Broadway. So there's more noises than I can even count on two hands oh, at like all times. Oh, there's like bands playing. Like, all the time. There's music. There's sirens. I mean, doing any kind of like cover video is impossible. So everything happens in my closet. <laughs> Thank the Lord. It's a big enough closet for me to sit in. <laughs> because <laughs> There you go. But I'm in Nashville right now. And then on the weekends, I go home to my small town. But we have animals there. So I can't really do anything there either because we have four roosters now. And they all crow at the four same time. Roosters. Yeah. Oh. That's above the national average amount of roosters. So they just make noises all the time. My neighbors have goats that yell and scream. And then I got a dog for my birthday back in November. And he talks more than any dog I know. I named him Gordon Ramsay. He is nice. <laughs> he is um, about seven or eight months. Oh, okay. So yeah, we got a puppy in January. Yeah, about, about to be seven months. Oh, yes. Your is dog your is puppy so cute. Still teething? No, not really. That must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think every dog is different because we got a puppy last April, and he chewed on a lot of stuff for a long time, and his name is Tonka. But my dog, Gordon, chewed on a lot of stuff earlier. Um, and so now he's not as bad. He just sleeps all the time. He's constantly what growing. Kind of dog is, what kind of dog is he? He's a Newfoundland. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, so we have a Border Collie lab, we think, mix. Like, we don't know uh, what the other half is. We know he's a Border Collie. So he's yeah. got tons of energy. And yeah. he's very smart. But also, like, his him being smart means that sometimes he gets a little territorial. Like, he'll start. He doesn't really bark just in the normal day. But if we're having a conversation around him yeah, and he feels like he's not included, he'll bark. <laughs> or if we like get on the bed and, you know, to maybe end the day or just to relax, he's like, oh, like you don't want to hang out with me anymore? Like oh. the day is over? Oh. So he'll start barking, you know, for, for I would say complex but petty reasons. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, Gordon, he just, he talks all the time and he's always been that way. When he was a little puppy and he was in the house a little bit more, he would sit in front of the fridge and just like, bark and make noises like hey i know what the fridge is i know what's in there and that's how i came up with his name gordon because he loves food and he always has something to say <laughs> we we came up with ollie and then three days later realized it rhymed with collie um <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect uh, you know it works but we've been calling him ollie bear because Aww. like it was ollie short for oliver but he's just he's growing so fast that he's just a bear now you know yeah so he's, 
He's our, our Raleigh bear, you know? I love dogs. They are the best. I wasn't really a dog person until Ollie. And then, Aww. you know, and everybody's like, you know, oh, you can have a connection with a dog and they'll be like, unlike anything. I'm like, fuck you, you know, like whatever. <laughs> and then, you know, Ollie came into our life and I'm like, that's my son. Yeah. Like you will treat him with respect. You exactly. will give him treats and snuggles. Right. You know? Exactly. That's exactly how it goes. Oh, man. Well, you got, I mean, you got animals. Where? What's that small town again? It's called Jasper. Nobody knows where it is. All we have is Jeep Fest. Um, and that's about it. So. Is that Georgia? Yes. North Georgia. North Georgia. Yeah. I remember when, when the first time we hung out, I was like, oh, yeah, you guys, you and your mom. You know, yeah. Very, very strong accent, you know? Yeah. I feel like it depends on what I'm doing and who I'm talking to and for how long I'm talking. As we continue on, my accent will probably come out a little bit more. But as I've been... Then when we talk, you sound a little more New York when we go back and forth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> when I'm in Nashville, like, it's weird because I'm away from my small town. Nobody here has accents because most of them are not from Tennessee. But when I go home, everybody's like, why is your accent so thick? And it's, I think it's because I'm away from home. And it's just like <laughs> my way of me showing that I'm homesick or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's actually really funny you say that. Our friend Meg actually pointed out a couple of years ago that like my New York accent got stronger yeah. since moving to LA, you know, I think because of an identity thing or just because yeah. so I would make so many jokes about being from New York or like saying, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm from New York, I'm from New right. York. And now like there's almost like a comfort to sounding like I'm from where I'm from, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, even if like it's like accidentally like subconsciously exaggerated, you yeah. know? Um, maybe if you listen to the first episode of the podcast compared to this one, yeah, you know, I, I'm just sounding like before I'm like, hi, I'm Nate. And I'm like, hey, I'm Nate. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you just got more comfortable as time went on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you grow up in, in Jasper? I did. I still live in the same house. It's just always that's just where I'm from, you know, and I love that's it. Awesome. I love it. And, and I know you, you and your mom are very close. Yes. Um, she was uh, almost even a co-writer. <laughs> the first time we, the first time we we met. I know. Um, how did you sort of first stumble onto the music stuff, and how did you start to develop that musical and almost like professional like relationship with your mom? Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I used to watch Toddlers and Tiaras on TLC, and one time <laughs> I told my mom, I was like, I want to do a pageant, and I think I was eight, and she looked at me and she goes, Aaron, I'm I, I'm a huge tomboy, so she looked at me and she goes, Aaron you know, you're going to have to paint your fingernails to do that. And I was like, <laughs> that's okay. I'm in it. It's just a day. I can make it through. So we signed up for a, a natural pageant. So all we had to do was paint my fingernails and curl my hair. Um, and I entered talent, my third pageant, and just loved singing. I always loved music, but it gave me the opportunity to really step on stage. So I started doing karaoke in my small town. And that was how I, where I would sing, how I would sing, because I didn't know where to go from there. And then as I grew older, I realized that music was what I wanted to do. So I just stepped right into it. You know, being in, from it, Georgia and close enough to Atlanta, there's enough music going on in Georgia. So I had the opportunity to just play open mics and shows and, you know, get into vocal coaching, learn how to play an instrument and just jump right into it. And then my mom was just always there and she learned a lot of the things that I learned with me being so young, starting so young. We've kind of just done everything together. So we've gone through it and it's great to finally be able to have that opportunity to figure out who I am so young and have my mom right there at the same time. And I love that. Like one, just tell your mom when we say hello. I will. We, we, we absolutely adore her. Sometimes she would just call and just say just nice things. And then yeah. that's the call. You know, she's just like, yeah. you know, like Aaron's been you know, out and about or busy, whatever. But, you know, I just want you guys to know that, like, she loves you. We love you. Everything's <laughs> sounding nice. Like, I'm like, thank you. Like, you know, we don't get that from, like, managers, you know. Right. We get from, from momagers, you know. Yeah, like, she's awesome. She's the best. She's the best. But, yeah, it's, I, you know, I, I always think that, that that dynamic, it's very complicated, but it also is, like, very special, you know. I think, you know, when I when I had a band in, in high school, my dad's, I think, so badly wanted to be a dadager. Uh <laughs> But uh, little did he know, we have a management problem. <laughs> Can't keep a manager to save our to save our skins. Um, we should get our parents in. We should get our parents yeah, in. Yeah, that's what you're missing. Dad, now's your time. Exactly, <laughs> the time has come. Oh my God. Hey, there's a thought. That would be wild. Could you imagine? <laughs> oh you know? my God. God damn. <laughs> yeah, because me and him don't have <laughs> issues already. 
but that's I just I, I love that and and it's interesting actually I didn't know the pageant side yeah of your story um like we we met through our lawyer yeah uh, friend and it was after like Idol and everything so that was the sort of extent of like competition that I knew you were involved in but didn't know prior to that um that there was pageants if, if you don't mind me asking like you know, coming from New York, I don't know a ton about that world. Yeah. Because um, it does tend to be a little bit more middle of the country. Mm-hmm. The extent that I know about it is from like Hannah Brown and The Bachelor, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I know that, I mean, there's a lot of pageant people on like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. So like I know just what that specific brand of pageant is. Right. What would you say was like the best, the worst and the biggest sort of lesson out of the whole thing. Those are three oh my questions. lord. <laughs> oh my lord. Um the best I would say is the sisterhood. Um I'm still very close with a lot of like my old sister queens. So when you win, you have your title for a year and the other girls that won, they're, you know, age group or whatever. Those are your sister queens. So I'm still very close with a lot of my sisters. We're all very supportive of one another. I think that's definitely the best part. The worst? I have no idea. Maybe having to stand in heels for so long. Like, I'm the kind of girl that likes to wear cowboy boots at all time. So, you know, standing in the heels all day long is probably the worst. And what was the last one? <laughs> What's like a lesson that you think maybe carried over into music? Oh, um, I think being authentic to who you are. You know, doing those natural pageants. It was less about the way you look. And we did a lot of like interviews and a lot of community service, which was like more authentic. It was about who you are, where your heart is. If you're going to win this pageant, we want it to be somebody that's just a good person. And I think staying authentic in the music is a very important thing because a lot of artists get carried away or do they do something because whatever the industry tells them to do, that's what they're going to do. But I... I kind of learned that I need to stay true to myself through those pageants. Well, and I think we talk about it a lot on the podcast, but I think it is very interesting, something like a pageant, especially like even the almost oxymoronical title of a natural pageant, you know, yeah. the idea of like authenticity. Right. Um, as performance. As performance. Right. To be judged. To be judged and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. That, those two things can coexist. Yeah. And, yeah. and as we've we've sometimes said that there is an authenticity to how you present yourself. There is Definitely. an authenticity to the way that you are filtering and choosing what is shown and what isn't shown or how those those things are are presented. Definitely. Um, you know, if curation is an art, if, the, yeah. if presentation is, is an art, then it's just as creative and thus as authentic to figure out what you're presenting. Yeah. Uh, you know, as it is if, you know, somebody just like, you know, put a camera in your face or, you know, took a candid or snippet of your life or something. Right. It's very important, especially to me, just to like, make sure that my heart is in whatever I'm doing and it's being shown in whatever I'm doing. I remember that I did a pageant, I was nine and nine and under couldn't wear any makeup. I had a huge burn mark on my face where I had burnt my face with a curling iron on accident just a few days prior. And I was like, oh my gosh, like there's no reason for me to even compete because I have a burn mark on my face and it's really just going to matter about how I look. And I actually ended up winning the Supreme title based off of my heart through like my interview. And I just feel like it's the most important thing to remain true to yourself and not letting yourself like get caught up in the mix of things. I'm the person that loves to work rather than party and stuff like that. And I'm other people that love to do that. Like that's awesome for them. But to me, like I just want to put my heart into everything that I'm doing. I love that. Yeah. I mean, and I think just being a collaborator with you, like in working with you, yeah. we've seen we've seen that. Like I think we'll be talking about your songs later, but what I love about working on your songs is that we're always trying to squeeze the best out of it. Like right. oftentimes even the bones of the songwriting from the jump is strong. Yeah. Like from the production standpoint, how do we present your voice the best way that we can? How can we accent that with drums or accent that with cellos? Yeah. Like how do we get the most out of a performance? Which I think that despite how much that's integral to production it's often something that from the artist's perspective is overlooked yeah it's like they're thinking so much about the production as a sort of separate thing Mm. that they're not necessarily thinking well how do how do i sit in that you know yeah is my performance 
congruous with the production. And Definitely. All that stuff and well, I appreciate you, know? you guys wanting it to be that way and allowing the artist to be a part of the process because you're open to hearing opinions. You're opening to hear like what the feelings are of the artist where a lot of producers don't do that. And I really appreciate that you guys are like that. Well, we stand by that. Like we believe that the artist is the primary producer. Like yeah. we, I mean, even like I don't know how all the credits, you know, land where they land or what the metadata says on one thing or another, but I'm trying to be a lot more deliberate about like giving an artist a producer credit. Um, yeah. And have that be, because if you are overseeing your project and talking about what your sound is and what you right. want in the song, like just because you're not in the DAW, well, n- neither was all the producers of the past, you know? It's yeah. Not like, George Martin was doing the Beatles in Logic, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like, I feel like, especially somebody like you, who is so deliberate about their sound and about what they want out of their project, you know, we're producers, but our goal is actually to bring on a third producer yeah. in the artist. Yeah. You know? Which I really appreciate that. Like, y'all are awesome, so. I mean, Thank you're you. awesome. We love, we love <laughs> working with you. Uh, We've been, all been so like frazzled and busy. We we miss. Oh my gosh! So I know. More. I know. It's been <laughs> wild. It's crazy to think that we've only been in a room with one another one time. Like everything else was yeah, just over crazy. the screen of my computer. I mean, that's a, as good a segue as any. Do you remember uh, <laughs> what the first in-person session was like? Do you remember? Like, yes, I was. I was the worst that day. I don't know why. I woke up with such an attitude, and it was awful. And I still feel so bad for it. Like I was so quiet. I, for some reason, just did not feel like opening up. But it's okay. I did, and it was fine. And then. We became best buds, and then all the rest of the songs, I just gave you way too much information. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, what's, what's so funny, and I'm glad I'm glad you said that because I was gonna, I was wasn't sure if you were nervous or like whatever, but I thought I thought you hated us and, and also the song, and then like literally you left the session, and an hour later you're like, this is my favorite thing I've written ever or whatever you're like gave yeah me like, and, and no you know we were both we I think we both like popped the video game and we we're like you know what you can't win them all and then you texted us and we're like wait did we did we do a good job yeah, did you like us? <laughs> <laughs> no listen I am such a thinker it's horrible first impression Erin is never good because she's just thinking literally every little thing in her head but I don't know I do remember it was raining that day and like <laughs> Maybe that had something to do with it. I have no idea. It's true. It's, but rain in LA is a weird. It, it messes with people. Yeah, maybe that was it. But I do know that I did mm-hmm. love the song, and I still love the song, and I love you guys. So we'll just put that day in the past. I mean, it was so long ago. Well, no, we don't I know think her. In a lot of ways, that day is is important because it's like we talk about this too. You know, like I think that I give a very specific first impression because I have a lot of energy and and I mentioned it in another episode that like for me it's almost like I'm always trying to diffuse or, or disarm people you know it's like yeah. that's how my anxiety or even sometimes attitude presents itself which is just sort of this radical friendly <laughs> um but, but you know there have been uh, and I've heard people say it there are people who don't know if Noah likes them yeah and that's like that's just because of different personalities that's yeah just like, for me it's like I need everybody to know I love them which sometimes is a lot for people, you know? but I think, you know, other people who kind of play close to the vest, I think it's important to realize or anybody listening who might be more like me, you know, who might sometimes take that stuff. If personally is not the right word, just like with, with anxiety. Yeah. Know, sometimes those people actually really like you. They're just a little quiet about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it is. And it was right when COVID was starting. So I probably had a little bit of anxiety of like, do I need to go home tomorrow or am I good to oh, just yeah. stay yeah. here for like five months? <laughs> it was like February 2020. So it was like, it was starting to kind of maybe happen in New York. It was yeah. to like these little pockets were happening around the country. But like the idea, it was a couple of weeks prior to like there being a full on lock. Right. Down. Right. Like travel was starting to be like, they were starting to maybe ground flights or like starting to like not know what to do about that. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, all of my sessions got canceled and we were like, okay, well, we'll just like see if 
if it works out, we'll just stay here. And then I remember a couple of days later, um, I guess it was like San Francisco or something, somewhere closed. And they were like, everybody has to stay home. And that's when we were like, we better go home now before we get stuck. So we switched all of our flights and we went straight home. And then it was like, boom, the world ended. <laughs> yeah, God. Well, that, that was the thing too, is like adding to like a, the, oh, is this song going to happen? Because then there was time, you know? And yeah. Like, well, I mean, like the world's ending. Let's not talk about songs right now. You right. Know? Like, but Practice Girlfriend exists. Yes, it and does. we love it. Yes. I love the cover. I mean, we've got the merch to yeah. prove it. Oh, yeah. It exists. Actually, I, mean, I wear this shirt. All, I hope you know I wear this shirt all the time. Yeah, he, he really does. Noah loves Lichtenstein. So, yeah, I love I love this style. Like, I, I would, this is a shirt that I would buy even if I didn't produce the song or even know you or even know you. Like, is I it because story, you I'd relate like, yeah, to it? It says practice girlfriend on it. And you're just like, that's me. That's me. I've been the practice girlfriend. <laughs> I, you know, you could also read it very much like as like an empowering command, you know, yeah. for for a female friend looking to study piano. Like, <laughs> just practice, girlfriend. Yes, Just practice, girlfriend. Practice, comma, girlfriend. That <laughs> is perfect. Point, point. I never <laughs> I mean, even thought about it that. Is, it is set up, practice, Lichtenstein, girlfriend. There is like, Lichtenstein can be replaced with a comma. That's true. Yeah. It's synonymous, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, what I loved about the song, again, because we were just trying to like vibe it out. And when we finally got to talking about what was sort of going on in, in your life and how we all kind of could yeah. relate to the sort of story behind it, like you had said maybe while we were talking, you're like, well, I, you know, I felt like a practice girlfriend or something like that, you know? I, yeah. I, rem I remember your mom actually responding to that being like, that's great. Yeah. You should run with that. <laughs> Yes. She gets a producer credit yeah. for the yeah. Exactly. No, it was a guy that told me. So he wanted to date me, but like there was something, I don't know exactly what it was. I think he wanted to just like wait some time. And he would then get these girlfriends and start like trying to text and flirt with me on the side. And I was like, we don't do that. That's a no-no. And he's like, no, it's okay, because they're just my practice girlfriends because I'm becoming a better human. For you. That's a bad look, buddy. It's a, it's a weird way of going it's about it. It's a bad it. look. So instead we dropped him and wrote a great song about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we got to do, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's I how it that, always goes. In a, in a lot of ways, a lot of what we were talking about, like some of it made it into Practice Girlfriend, which was yeah. a, a little bit more angry, a little bit more edgy, a little right. bit more like... But also a little more playful, you know, mm -hmm. like, yeah. or sassy maybe or whatever. Yeah. But conceptually, some of the stuff I feel like, and I don't think it was like line for line, but I think feelings wise, a lot of maybe the sadder undertones or a lot of the other feelings you can have around it wind up making their way into waste more time, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, Definitely. By the way, for Practice Girlfriend, do you have a, like a favorite line? Like, do you have a line that you remember when we wrote it that you like really connected with? I would say my favorite is, I'm not your therapist. I'm not your backup plan. I'm not your therapist. I'm not your backup plan. Because yeah, it, it was almost like, okay, but if you're telling me that they're your practice girlfriends, then what are you telling them? Like, maybe I'm the practice girlfriend and I am not right. a backup plan. So. <laughs> um, I love the, yeah, you're persistent. Part, yeah. You know, like. Yeah. Because uh, it's just like. It really is. You can hear in how you perform again to the performance. Like you can really hear how done you are on the line. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, you're persistent, you know? Yep. I'm like, listen, buddy. Listen, buddy. <laughs> you can try. You can try all you want. But this girl, it ain't happening. Jumping all around. That's okay. I, similar to sort of the pageant question, I know you also did Idol before yes. we met, right? Yes. We've had a couple of Idol folks on on the podcast yeah. uh, with mixed reviews, you know? Right. What, what, would, what would you sort of say your experience was with that, uh, you know? I, I think it was great because I met a lot of awesome people on my season. I think that was like the greatest part of the show. They didn't really- what season was it? like season three of the ABC side. It was with Lauren and Gina. 
Okay, and it's the same. I was wondering if it was the same sort of like year as those, yes, yeah, Lauren and, and Gina, because like I know you guys sort of knew each other, but also yeah. we all kind of know each other because of our lawyer, right? right? Yeah, so it was the same season, but I mean, I loved it because I met some great people. You know, it was idle. I get to say that I did it. I was young, so you know, it's well, fine. I think you're in a good spot. I think Lauren, for context, Lauren Spencer Smith, a friend of the pod. I think that like you guys were in a good year of Idol where right. you could get like a good following through Idol or like get, you know, people who were interested in you as a musician and as an artist. Yeah. But didn't necessarily like put you in the Idol box. That right. I feel like earlier seasons like Friend of the Pod, David Archuleta or, mm-hmm. um, you know, Zeeland, Angie Miller found themselves in afterwards as they mm-hmm. were trying to sort of pursue maybe a different sound or a different style mm-hmm. or something like that. You know? I think that doing it young was the best decision that I made just because it wasn't as stressful. You know, I didn't have to have a random roommate. I got to have my mom there. Um, camera hours were a lot different. So I did have time to rest. Whereas like the older people did not really get any rest at all. And they were a little bit more stressed out. I think that the pageants definitely helped with the competition wise. Like I wasn't there to get into anyone's heads. Like I was there to sing and I was there to make friends. And I think doing pageants helped my mindset to stay that way. Because if it wasn't like that, you know, I probably would have been a little bit more stressed out. But I wasn't because it was just fun for me. Did you uh, have studio teachers um, or did your mom uh, teach you? No, I did have teachers. I was all online, but because of California and the rules there, I still had to go to a classroom. The reason I ask actually is because my my step grandmother and then sort of through that my mom for a little bit were studio teachers. Okay. Um, specifically for uh, America's Got Talent. So okay. when I would come out to visit, oftentimes they'd be like, you know, you can hang in the apartment or you want to just come with me to work, and then yeah. I'd be like, you know, backstage for, at America's Got Talent. Yeah. With uh, you know, Grace Vanderwall and yeah. Uh, you know, all the the younger, like Jackie Ivanko. Right. Um, I was 13 or 14, you know, but all yeah. the, the younger or people my age, actually. Right. Teaching. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's, I, I, have a, I have a soft spot in my heart for the studio teachers. That's why I was curious. If you, oh, yeah. You know. They're the best. <laughs> they are the best. I had two males and they were hilarious. They were great. We would like play games and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. we never really did school. It's fine. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, you know, my mom like actually like teaches in schools, but she, you know, comparatively, you make so much more money as a studio teacher. Yeah, and have to deal with so much less bullshit because yeah, you're kind of just like you're kind of having fun and you're yeah. fulfilling an obligation less than like a state mandated right. curriculum that's been overseen by eight different PTAs right. over the course yeah. of, you know. It's kind of like homeschooling almost. Yeah. You kind of just get to. Yeah. I, I can't overstate that it pays so much more money than public school <laughs> teachers, uh, which I think is a crime. Yeah, but, that's, that, that's upsetting, but understandable. Yeah. Hollywood, baby. And public school teaching. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just curious about, about all that. Um, and I, I feel like I, I wasted a good segue to talk about waste more time. But oh. in wasting of a good segue, hopefully the tangent didn't waste more time than it needed to. Let's talk about Waste More Time. Yes. Waste More Time. A great song. Love that, that one. That was an origami sentence. Yeah. yeah. It was just like you missing those three exits on the way home. You know, just oh. <laughs> reverse. You're just going to, you're going to rub it. You're going to, you're going to make, you make fun of But me. you got there eventually. Oh, and that's yeah. what matters. You did. Uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know I was going to be roasted on yeah, this that podcast. Was, that was savage. That was, that was absolutely a, savage. almost uncalled for, but much appreciated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Waste Not More Time is great. <laughs> Uh, Waste More Time, I I mean, it's one of my favorite songs, not just of yours, but like of the things that we've worked on uh, in our career. It's beautiful. And I think we we all worked really, really, really hard to make it as beautiful as it is. Um, And I think it's one of those very rare in the music industry occasions where you spend a lot of time on the quality of it. And then that quality does connect with a ton of people like yeah the song is doing really well i love when lauren spencer smith oh yeah cover on tiktok yeah. yeah she killed it let's dive into that one because yeah. i remember that was you know bit of a ways into quarantine right did it over zoom i don't even know if i told you did i ever tell you about the jesus camp experience with that song no, no. what <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Okay, so we wrote Waste More Time about a guy because, duh. And, um, you know, the whole spiel. He and I talked through the summer. And then he was like, I'm going to school. Can't have a girlfriend. Went to school. Got a girlfriend from where I'm from because he was going to school in a different state. Long story, whatever. We're friends now. But I went to Jesus Camp right before we released this song as a worship leader. And something in my little mind, must have been God or something, I think it was God. He was like, I think you need to call this dude and let him know that you wrote this song about him. So I did just that at like 1230 at night. I called him and I was like, I just want you to know that like you screwed up and I wrote a song about it and I'm putting it out (laughs) next month. Oh my God. (laughs) You should, have video, you should have videotaped that conversation. That's a viral TikTok right there. I know. And then I called my mom and I was like, mom, I have no idea what I just did. Now it's going to hate me for the rest of my life. Then three months later, he texted me and he was like, listen, I know what I did was wrong. And I really, really apologize for that. So we ended up hanging out and he was just like, listen, that song is great. And unfortunately, it's written about me, but I do really like the song. <laughs> and my friends and I listen to it all the time. So we're we're all good now, but I think it's like that's the awesome. most hilarious thing ever. I am. Um, I love that. I, uh, that's that's all you can really ask for. You know, it's like, yeah, I think that if you write a song about somebody and I've had this experience on both sides, like I've been yeah. on the receiving end of it and I've also you know, I've I've had the privilege and misfortune of having right. exes listen to my my music. <laughs> um, but I think that like there is something really really special about having somebody be like, God, that's brutal, but fuck, it's good. You know? Yeah. You know the fact that he was man enough to like say he was sorry and then still love the song. Like I love that. It's crazy how like art that was like that we created, even if it was about them, like they still. You know, it brings people together. Well, in a lot of ways, too, I think the reason Waste More Time really does resonate with me and and maybe by by that event resonates with with others is that like Practice Girlfriend, especially since it was our first session together. Right. Like I approach that as, you know, we're writing for Aaron. You know, this is Aaron. Like, yeah. And we were just having fun. But at no point am I thinking like, oh, I, I relate to this song. Right. You know, like, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't like me, a, you know, 24 year old at the time, whatever. Yeah. It's like, you know what? This song really speaks to how I'm feeling. You know? <laughs> um, but when we were talking about Waste More Time, it actually like when we were just sort of like conceptualizing, I remember yeah. the Zoom for Waste More Time. Like the yeah. Zoom session was maybe 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah it was, it was really so quick. fast. Like, I think a big reason for that is because when we were talking about it, I found myself kind of getting upset. Right. Like I found myself kind of thinking about, um, and this was before I met my partner now. So I was single and I was really just like trying to process a lot of like what yeah. had happened in my last relationship. And, you know, we're talking about it and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like I have spent a lot of time thinking about this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was sort of asked to put parts of my life on pause. Like that mm-hmm. was, what was the expectation was and that that was normal, you know? Right. Um, or I felt like there was a, a sort of need for that. And, and it was so interesting to me because we're, as we're talking about it, you know, mind you, we're not particularly <laughs> close in age and right. we have different experiences, but I just found myself like getting mad for you <laughs> and then getting mad for me and then getting <laughs> mad like, you know, yeah, uh, you were going through a bit of a time at that point. Pro- too, probably. Like post breakup a little bit. Statistically, yeah. So, you were, I think, feeling... Yeah, I definitely relate. The, the, yeah, there's a frustration in that song, but also, like, a catharsis in, like, yeah. taking back agency of, like, I'm, like, not... I'm done with this situation that doesn't serve me anymore. And right. Everyone, everyone goes through that... Right. Uh, ...in their life, which is why it's such a relatable song. Totally. I think what I love about Waste More Time is what the second verse does. Yeah. Because the second verse is this space that at the time I couldn't even necessarily fathom, which is what's your relationship to this person after you've actually moved on? The funniest thing ever is like, it's almost that those verses flipped for me because the guy that I ended up getting into a relationship with was so 
he was just terrible. Like we were so different and it didn't work out. And then it was like, but I'm still friends with this person that I initially (laughs) wrote this song about. So in reality, it was like, I'm not wasting my time with you anymore because we are just (laughs) drastically different. It's not working out. But like this guy is just like, we're good friends and he treats me right as a friend. You know, we're cool. And it's kind of hilarious to me that it did that. Well, I just, I, and again, you know, what's so funny about songs is that like when you write them, sometimes you're projecting into a, into a future. Sometimes you're yeah. just sort of anticipating kind of like a future or whatever. Totally. Um, Cause I don't know if you had necessarily even met the boy at that time, the, the new person at the time. Yeah. We we're just sort of conceptualizing what a new person would maybe look yeah. like or whatever. So I love that. Like now you're only calling out of jealousy. Well, if you have to know. Yeah. The boy is sweet in ways you never were. And I really think he cares about me. Well, if you have. I love that little, well, if you have to know. Yeah, it's very conversational, which I think makes it so relatable. And then we flip it. You know, you don't have to stay here. You don't have to watch. Right. I can do whatever I want. You don't have to stay here. You don't have to watch. You can do whatever you want now that I've moved on. Or you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Now that, you know. Yeah. yeah, Like, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, we just, I don't know. I, I listen to it sometimes just like in, in the car, just yeah. having a little emo moment, you know? It's just I such love a good that song. Like, melody. Like the melodies in that song are so strong. And yeah. your vocal performance on it is impeccable. Like well, it's so well, thank good. You. And I know you, I know from your mom and from you that like the vocal performance was very, very deliberate. Like I know that you, yeah. there is a version of the song. We have the version of the song where it is, all pure belting. We have a version of the song where it's all pure head voice. We have, yeah. you know, you were you were really trying to find where is the power and the and the sassy moments and the, right. the anger in the performance versus where is the hurt, where is the gentleness, where right. is the more softer side. I think the version that exists now has such a beautiful balance of that because you gave so many different types of performances. Yeah to, you know, to the song. Just making sure that that emotion was in there. I just feel like it's so important to make music that people are going to relate to. And so that's like, even in the way that it's sung, you know, if you can hear it and you can understand the emotion of the lyrics through the way that it's sung, like that makes it relatable, you know? Well, and you're such an incredible singer. Like you have an amazing belt, but you also have an amazing dynamic range to how you can sing. And I think that, you know, an amazing singer can belt and do runs and all that, whatever. I think there's an incredible amount of musical maturity to when you decide to do what you do that I really think should be acknowledged. Like, because it could have been just belting or it could have been that this song is showcasing your voice in its most powerful Mm and its most running, trilling, you know, Mm -hmm. thing. As a ballad, it could have been the Aaron Kirby vocal showcase. Mm-hmm. But what it winds up being is a song. What it winds yeah. up being is, totally. is this sort of emotional dynamic yeah, journey because of your performance. It, yeah. Right. Really, really powerful. Yeah. No, I love that song. I I listen to it all the time. Like I just I love that song. So I'm glad that we were able to capture that and put it out so that other people can really hear it and relate to it and let themselves understand that they don't have to waste any more time with those people that are like treating them wrong or that they feel like they're stuck with, even if it's just like a situation, like maybe you're at a job that you felt like you've put a lot of time into and it's not really returning, you know, and it's time for you to let it go. And like, you're just not going to waste any more time with it. Move on, follow your dreams, whatever it is. Like, I just think that the song is, you can look at it in so many different directions and it's super relatable always. Well, and and that's, that's why I love some of the more conversational aspects of the song. Like I think that, especially nowadays, because we have almost like total access to everybody all the time through text, phones, through social media, through whatever. Oh, and then on top of that, like in our actual lives, maybe because of social media, maybe because of the industry, whatever, there is such a push to be spending time with people all the time. We're all renting because the housing market is a nightmare. So we're all living with multiple people or whatever. I think that the conversation about boundaries And the conversation about what is normal mm-hmm. in this world yeah. Um, as far as what we're willing to put up with, 
Um, yeah. I think it's becoming a very, very important conversation. And so I love about, again, the sort of conversationality of the song, but especially in the chorus, the, are you really here asking if I'm waiting? Like, that's a normal thing to do. Are you really here asking if I'm waiting? Like, that's a normal thing to do. I love that part. I don't know. I'm gushing about it. <laughs> Love that. We love that. Like, I'm glad it's something that we can all be proud of and that we can all relate to. Unlike practice girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> we we re- we relate. We can, you know, no, we don't want to relate, but no and I have both been practice girlfriends before. Yeah. At least you wear the shirt. Um, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. We wear the shirt. Exactly. Um, do you have a do you have a favorite line from Waste More Time? Oh Lord. That song. There's so many. I think it really is like that you don't have to stay here, you know? I think that's, like, the... You don't have to watch. Like, that's probably my favorite because it's just saying it like it is. Like, yo, you don't you don't have to stay here. Nobody is asking you to, like, be here because I've moved you're on. Choosing, you're choosing, essentially, to get hurt by this. By Exactly. And, like, yeah. I love that. I love that part. I, I think I like that because I'm actually oftentimes post-relationship that person. Like, mm-hmm. I'm always so hesitant to to block people or to, I I am, you know, not in a problematic way, but I am bad at like giving the space that I even might need to move on from a relationship. Some of the nicest things that I think exes have ever done for me is be the one to block me yeah. so that I, you know, because I think my brain's almost masochistic, you know, that there is this weird kind of like indulgence to seeing this person that you're, that you loved uh, or love still, you know, with yeah. somebody new or, yeah. or happy when you're miserable that you don't have to experience if you don't want to. Like, yeah. you can choose what you're, especially if it's like a, a long distance relationship or, you know, the other right. side of L.A. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't have to be there. I love that. I, yeah, I similarly yeah. Really love that pre. Yeah, it's great. It's so I just I love how conversational it is like that's. There's such a beauty in that. So, I want to shout out and maybe even throw in the stem. Shout out I- Isaiah Gage on the cello. Isaiah. Yeah. We didn't write an arrangement. We just sent Isaiah the song. And oh, he's yeah. Like, oh, I know exactly what we need to do. <laughs> and he did it. Um, yes. I'm going to plug in the cello stems right here. <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, Isaiah just... Oh, do, yeah. Do you remember, like, when you first heard the cellos? Like, what, did that tie the song together for oh, you? It, like, this is a bit of a leading question. It definitely did. Like, hearing that, it was like... At first, it didn't feel like something was missing. But then I realized, like, something was missing. And now it is complete. Like, it was perfect. It really just put the cherry on top, you know? There's almost like an Eleanor Rigby... Mm-hmm. like jaggedness to the way that he plays it mm-hmm. you know really like the staccato the back and forth bowing you know yeah on, on especially like the chorus that I really feel like adds this like this intensity and and uh yeah and anger and almost darkness to it you know yeah it just made such a difference and like I'm so glad that he was able to do that and he like could see that and hear it so I'm really grateful for him shout out Isaiah Gage yeah, he's, totally. He's he's the best. He's the he's the best in the business. Best in the business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Aaron, are you ready for the question round? The question round. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, first question: What is your phone background? Oh, it's my dog. It's Gordon. It's Gordon. It's Gordon. Next question. Do you have any non-musical hobbies? Goodness. I like to play golf and I like hiking. 
Oh, that's Whoa. Good. That's awesome. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. That's great. I, uh, I similarly love hiking. Yeah. Outside time is the greatest time. Next question. Next question. Very important question. Very important yep. question. Oh. Most important question. Who? Would you be a pirate? No. <laughs> That's fair. I would That's not fair. because I've heard that there's like, <laughs> this is horrible. That <laughs> There's like no money in being a pirate. So you have to like steal and whatever. And I could never, because I'm such a rule follower, I have to walk on the crosswalk. So. <laughs> yeah, that'll yeah. do it. Crosswalk's <laughs> famous in the golden age of piracy. <laughs> in the ocean. Walk the crosswalk. Walk the crosswalk. <laughs> funny uh next question uh do you have any tattoos i do not i really want one do you do you want any yes i don't know what i want but i want one so bad that's fair hey when the when the inspiration strikes you'll know yeah it'll come to me i say that the first one has to mean something and then the rest of them can just be like whatever if it looks cool put it on my body you know what i'm saying it's interesting because he's at yeah I, i have i have come around to the opposite end of the spectrum for a long time i planned out very elaborate tattoos that were like very meaningful to me and I kept uh, bumming up against like, but if it's so meaningful that if I get it and I end up disliking it, oh. then I'll just be so wrapped up in like that it means the wrong thing. Oh, that now true. I've I've come around to, I think I need to just get a tattoo that is actually stupid <laughs> to, to, to break the seal and like open the door to like, okay, now I'm a person with tattoos now and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I'm trying, I've recently had this epiphany of just like, I think I can, I think I want to get a stupid tattoo. We need to think of like the most stupid tattoo, like something <laughs> like what kind of vegetable does nobody like? <laughs> like zucchini. And, Our friend Max hates zucchini. And you need to get like a heart, like a zucchini in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I, you know, on the podcast for a while, you know, I, I mentioned ideas that I have for tattoos and stuff like that. But I feel like over time, I've actually started to like come around to the thought of, I don't really need to put anything on my body. Yeah. Like I'm already like getting, you know, just by existing, just like bruised up and cut up and, <laughs> and I have mar- marks on my, my body from just existing. Yeah. And like I wear clothing and I don't, I don't like deciding my fashion or whatever. Like I've been talking about this actually more and more recently. But yeah. like, I have very long hair and a beard because I don't feel comfortable like walking into a barber shop and saying, well, this is what I actually want. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I don't know what that yeah. is. I would rather my fashion and style come from a kind of passivity. Yeah. That feels kind of the most authentic to me yeah. than me having to like, decide what is me or representative of me. So I feel like if I got a really dumb tattoo, I would be like, well, this is just a dumb tattoo. And like, I don't really need it on me or like whatever. It's not breaking any kind of steel. I just think it's, it's silly on me. Yeah. But if I like spend a lot of time, like, well, what represents me or like whatever, I'm like, you know what? What represents me is not having a tattoo. Right. Exactly. Like I feel the most myself when I don't have like a thing on me that like, apparently means something. You yeah. Know? Sometimes I'll order like those temporary like two week tattoos <laughs> or whatever and just do those. Cause then it's like if it like washes off, then it's not that big of a deal. And if I hate it after a week, then I can just get rid of it, you know? I, I'm just already like grappling with the permanent consequences of my existence. <laughs> like there are permanent, I think mostly like 99% positive Things that exist in the world that are kind of my fault that that I'm already trying to like not have an existential crisis, uh, you know, about uh, and, and panic of, of, about and like nobody perceive me. I'm a brain in a jar. I shouldn't have any kind of effect on the universe. Uh, kinda, oh my kind of thing. I don't need. What I'm saying is I don't need to have something on my body. Yeah, is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> totally get that. Um, next question. What was the first concert you ever attended? Oh, um, it was Sam Smith. That was my oh, that was my first. I got two tickets for Christmas. It was a gift um, from my aunt, and it was you know either do I take my dad or do I take my mom, that kind of deal because I was young, and I decided to take my dad because it was in Atlanta, right next to this place called the Varsity, 
which they have like great hot dogs and stuff. My mom's not going to eat a hot dog. So I took my dad so he would go eat a hot dog with me afterwards. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, justice for your mom. (laughs) Listen, I felt so bad. I called her in the middle of the concert. I was like, listen, mom. And I like put the phone in the air as if she like would experience the concert with me. But (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure she loved that though. I'm sure she the, the little bit I know about your mom, I feel like that that meant a lot. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, I hope she enjoyed it. I hope she felt what I felt at the concerts through the phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet. Next question. Do you have a scar with a story? I do. I have a couple scars. I have too many because you know, I'm so bad just walking down the crosswalks. But when I was a kid, <laughs> I actually got bit by a German shepherd um on my leg and had oh. eight stitches so i still have a scar there and anytime you like touch it my whole leg goes numb it's kind of hilarious whoa okay that's nuts i i had like a staph infection on a cut on my arm oh my god and i can't feel the uh the nerves oh um, yeah on on it so yeah it happens yeah it's kind of crazy how like that works you know (laughs) it's only semi-related but like i found out that my wisdom tooth is actually still trying to kind of poke out and, oh. and like exist. But the root of it is like right on top of the nerve in my jaw. So if they tried to remove it, it would be very, very risky because there's yeah. a very, very high chance they would nick the nerve. Oh my God. And so I think very metaphorically, I have to choose between a, a kind of dull but constant chronic pain <laughs> or a total numbness. Yeah. That is, um, wow. And, and I think I'm choosing the pain, but what does that say about me? Mm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I just had to share that. It's been on my mind. Yeah. What about you? Do you have a, a scar, Noah? Who, me? Yeah. Is she allowed to do that? Are you allowed to do that? <laughs> Are you allowed to do that? No. Um, I have I have a scar on my forehead from getting pushed into a stair when I was a kid. The oh. main thing about that is I'm, I was mad it didn't look more like Harry Potter. Because <laughs> if you're going to have a scar on your forehead, it should look like Harry Potter. <laughs> Um, I got bitten by a spider in South Africa when I was a kid. Oh my God. I still have a weird indentation on my leg. And uh, he can shoot webs out of his hand. I oh, know, yeah. Wow. I, keep, I keep that on the down low, though. <laughs> and I have a scar on my hand that I don't entirely remember where it's from, but I like to believe it's from a sword fight with a Roman uh, imitation soldier. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Those are, my three, funny, good, yeah. Those are my three good scars. Wow. Speaking of three things. Nice. <laughs> Next question What are three thoughts you have at this very moment? Um, that I believe <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> this is, why does my brain work like this? Um, that I feel like you've been in a fight with a shark all of a sudden. I just have this image of you arguing with a shark in the ocean, but you won. So He's scared of them. So that's like my actual yeah. worst nightmare. But I feel like it's a, like cosmically something that's gonna happen. That that is one thought. My second thought is, what am I gonna eat for dinner? Um, because I have no idea. And my third thought is my leg is going to fall asleep. I just feel like it's going to, but it's probably not. So sometimes <laughs> it just does. Because we were talking about my leg going numb. And then I was like, oh my God, now my leg is going to fall asleep. When you've been sitting in the closet for, for, for an hour. <laughs> so um. those are my weird thoughts. I like how two of those are like, well, they're all visions of, they're all different visions, visions of, the of the future. future. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and, and I like the, uh, the um, nice sort of uh, variation on the hunger theme with the what am I having for dinner as opposed to I'm hungry, which is a common staple right. yeah. of the podcast. I would like the record to show that this is the hungriest I have ever been on a podcast. <laughs> like we we have oh recorded God. at this point 108 episodes. Uh, I don't know when this episode's coming out, but we have over 100 <laughs> episodes. And I have genuinely never been this hungry on any episode. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. You needed to grab a snack or something. Oh my God. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm running off of, uh, you know, a bagel, you know, after this desert drive. If I was a Sim, <laughs> my diamond above my head is like a bright red. <laughs> yep. <laughs> How Been long there. of a drive is it? About four hours and change. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You needed to grab um, a snack. I needed a good night's sleep three days ago. Yeah. Uh, I did not know (laughs) it was going to be a bender of a week. (laughs) Well, with that. With that. Last question. Okay. Visions of the future. Speaking of visions of the future, what are you looking forward to? Oh, Lord. 
just in like life as a whole or in like the next week? Life is a, an entire unit of measure. You know, I am just looking forward to whatever's going to happen next, you know, seeing what happens with the world. And I, I'm looking forward to hopefully touring, hopefully, you know, selling out arenas. That's my goal. And having myself a, a rescue farm in the middle of Montana somewhere and lots of land. That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Did you see the Queer Eye episode? I didn't. The rescue farm? I did oh not. Oh my God, it's a great episode. Yeah. Listen, Bobby I'm the worst. Bobby barn. built a barn. I'm the worst. the poor man build a barn. I need no, it's, to. It's the thing he's the most proud of. I need to watch more shows, but I get sucked in so bad that I don't allow myself to watch shows. Because if I watch them, mm. then I won't do anything else. So I'm like, you're only allowed to watch movies, Aaron. <laughs> well, we are looking forward to hearing... Waste more time and/or practice girlfriend in an arena. Yes, we and, and we are extremely looking forward to working with you again in the future yeah. and writing more songs because we just have a lot of fun together. Yeah, like, it's just it's just a, even though a lot of it uh, happened during the apocalypse and a lot of it <laughs> you know it has been over over Zoom. I feel like we all just like have so much fun and get along and like laugh a lot while we're writing, even though the songs are often are very sad or sad oh, yeah. or, or frustrated so i just you know we are here we love producing with you as, yeah. as our third producer and are really proud of everything that you've been up to and everything that you're doing and everything you will do so uh looking forward to whatever we all do next together and separately yes i'm so excited thank you guys so much for everything thank you guys for having me on here and y'all are the best We would like to thank Isotope for their support of Talking Lion. We would also like to give a big thank you to Mason Maggio for editing this episode. Thank you for listening and see you next time.